Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective, featuring the friars from St. Patrick Church in Columbus. And now, Dominican Dimensions. Welcome to the Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Dominic Hayes, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today, I'm joined in the studio by Father Stephen Alcott. Let's begin with a prayer to Our Lady. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So, Father Alcott, we were discussing, uh, thinking of a topic for this, that we might want to talk about virtues and the environment of uh, of virtue. Yes. Um, I've been reading a great book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's a great book about, just from an ordinary perspective, how do you form good habits and how do you um, get rid of bad habits? And and one thing that's surprisingly important that we might not always realize is, is the environment mm-hmm. in which we live, in which we find ourselves. So many of the things that we do are cued or triggered by our environment. Um, in the book, it talked about uh, a hospital uh, dietitian who wanted to do a little study without even telling anyone. They had a hospital cafeteria, mm-hmm. and in the hospital cafeteria, there were coolers with soda and different kinds of, of drinks that were high-calorie, low-health. Um, and so without even asking anyone, they just they just added bottled water to the coolers. And then whenever there was something that was really sugary or not super healthy, they also put a basket of bottled water in front of it. And amazingly, the, uh, the consumption of, of water went, or the sales went from 11% to over 30% mm-hmm. just by making that simple change of the environment. And we, we see that a lot of times in, in, our, own, in our own lives. If, if we're trying to go on a diet, you know, it helps to, hide or get out of the house those things you know you're going to regret eating is as as attractive as they are like um, pretzels on the common table <laughs> yes. yes okay yes yep yes so i resemble so, that remark so uh so so just the how, but how important it is um one pretty powerful example they gave was they this is a a, a well-known study uh during the vietnam war towards the end of it um they some of the some of the government authorities were shocked to find out that um, fifteen or maybe more than fifteen percent of soldiers were using heroin. Mm-hmm. Developed a habit of that, so they were alarmed at this. You know, and they thought, well, we have to work work on a way to help them get you know recovered from mm-hmm. from this addiction. But surprisingly, um, less than one in ten really continued any kind of habitual heroin use after they got back. Mm-hmm. And they realized the reason was environment. You know, when they were over a thousand miles from home, when they're away from their families, when heroin was very easy to obtain, when um, there's the, the constant stress of, of, of war, it made it much easier. That environment was very conducive to using drugs, right. you know, not for a majority, but for many of the soldiers. But when they got back with their families, a different environment, you know, close to home, right. amazingly, a lot of them stopped. And that, from a chemical perspective, is a very addictive substance. So, right. so it shows that you know, our environment can play a, a big role in this. And it occurred to me that, I mean, these are just studies that have been done, 
you know, by, by professionals, but it really connects to our Christian tradition as well. Um, some of the, some of the wisdom from the early church and from the desert fathers, the early, the early monks and, 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 uh, you know, who are hermits or those who lived in community, they really wrote about what it is to try to live a virtuous life. Mm-hmm. Um, and they pointed out that in some cases, with some kinds of temptation, rather than fighting them, you should choose flight. You should, right. instead of instead of using up, you know, trying to trying to create all kinds of tests of your willpower against a temptation, mm-hmm. just try to set up your environment where that temptation is just eliminated. It's just not there, like hiding the pretzels, you know? Right. Um, so, so I know you, Father Stephen Domic, you, you've read a lot of the, you know, the, some of the, the wisdom of the Desert Fathers. Where have you seen that in the in that tradition? Well, there is always the adage in John Cash and flee bishops and women. <laughs> okay. So Can that, you unpack that? Well, sure. I, the, <laughs> the, the, the desert monks were supposed to uh, be content with their lives in the cells. And so mm-hmm. one thing, of course, that's inconsistent with a life of chastity is to have uh, occasions of sin around. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so if you had monasteries, monasteries were separated by men and women mm-hmm. and so forth. Uh, you'd have I have dub, double monasteries sometimes it would be at a distance, but there wouldn't be a lot of uh, daily connection between them. maybe economic mm-hmm. relations as like in the in the Gilbertines in the Middle Ages, which we had a uh, a group of nuns living under the rule of Saint Benedict uh, supporting a small co- community of canons regular who lived the rule of Saint Augustine mm-hmm. but they the mo- sisters got the service of the priests, which sisters are always looking for. And the uh, the canons were able to serve the area in a place where they might not be able to maintain a proper parish church, sort of missionary situations or rural situations. And uh, and, and the nuns provided an economic base. So uh, And then how about bishops? Oh, but, but to flee them was the idea. You didn't want people strolling around the cloisters, you know, and so forth. That this was just an opportunity for... People to get attached to each other. Men and women tend to drift towards each other. That's how we're built. You know, we we look for the exclusive relationship that uh, marriage calls for naturally, and it's easy right. if you're committed to chastity to get into trouble if there's this kind of thing is going on. Right. The but, second but, thing with bishops, right. okay, is the is the problem with pride. Hmm. Okay, that you would see that uh, the references to seeking out priesthood or other ecclesiastical office. Okay. When many monks were not ordained normally. Normally, you wouldn't be ordained. You know, a the monastery traditionally has just enough priests to handle the needs of the monastery. And the abbot right. usually decides who's going to be a priest. So right. I, rem- I remember looking at Trappists and really not worrying if I was going to be called the priesthood or not, because the abbot would decide that in due course, and I could leave that in the hands of God. Mm-hmm. But there is always the temptation to seek out a career right. in within the clergy like anything else. You know, if you're in a business organization, people expect you to go for promotion. And um, sometimes in the ecclesiastical establishment, you can have the same kind of thing going. Uh, Temptation to greed here, avarice, to vainglory, and a bunch of other sins. Mm -hmm. So flee, as I said, flee women and bishops. Right. Uh, Another thing would be uh, a very common one is for sins of the flesh or other sins of temper against temperance. Right. So this would be to to get out of dodge when you're faced. So the the safer thing is not to um, 
to try to simply fight the temptation in place, but to get out of mm. the place where the temptation is happening. Right. And this can be through, I mean, uh, sins of the flesh, so the uh, the woman is one problem. You, know, you can think of St. Thomas Aquinas' difficulty in his room, you know, kidnapped by his family, and his uh, rough soldier brothers bringing in a courtesan to take away his innocence into his room in, in while he's a prisoner. So he holds her off with a burning brand, you know, mm-hmm. uh, putting putting distance himself, fleeing as far as he could <laughs> from the temptation in front of him, you know, and putting mm-hmm. before him uh, Cape Pratty keeping her away. I think uh, one popular rendition of this has them both screaming until the, the uh, courtesan was taken out of the room. Uh, another, but you know, you can apply this to other things. If you have a problem with alcoholism, you know, you probably do not want to keep alcohol in your home, even for so-called guests, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. there'll be a temptation there. You know, you already mentioned the pretzels. Uh, <laughs> you can, I you know, I've I've been working, you know, trying to control my weight for for years. Uh, but you could look at anything that has, especially those ones that have a note now, the note of compulsion about them, in the area of temperance. So, you know, food, uh, drink, drugs, pornography is like this. You know, a good thing to do is if you're tempted with that kind of thing is to leave the place where the machine is, because in our day most of this stuff comes in by machine. Mm-hmm. But the same thing, credit cards. You know, have to separate yourself from the credit accounts of the cards. Mm-hmm. Dice. You know, just don't. Don't go to the casino. You know, don't pick a hotel with a casino in it, et cetera, right. et cetera. Right. Yeah. So, so how we can just get out of that environment where those things cue us or trigger us for right. the for the for the wrong things to the extent that we can. You can't get rid of everything, um, but but we can think about what our environment has and how often things that we do are triggered by where we are or right. by what kinds of things we do. And to the extent we can change those environments, not, not to the, not for most people to the extreme of the, of the desert fathers where they literally go into a cave in the, in the desert, you know, where they fled the world. But, yeah. but you know, but there, there are things we can do that That's anyone right. can do That's to try right. to change things. And there's also things we can do for, uh, to create good habits. You're listening to the Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Dominic Hayes, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. I'm joined in the studio by Father Stephen Alcott. We've been discussing virtue, the life of virtue and the environments in which we try to live them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you want us to create a good habit, you can help to to start in a new environment, you know, that... that that because often the context forms uh sometimes can can shape our response to things or shape our, our shape those um impulses that we have um new year, so I, new I, years for instance <laughs> new years is a new year so that's right that's a right new yeah it's, it's, it's a, new, a, new, a new time right yeah um the author of the book i'm reading said that uh when he was started as an entrepreneur his kitchen table was his was his desk, but and he would work at his kitchen table because he worked from home. But after a while, that became difficult to, to separate work from from non work right. because he always worked at his kitchen table, and so it became very blurry when he was working and when he was resting and not. So when he he got a bigger place, he he's created his own home office, 
and the office was just for work. It was a new place. And then the kitchen table was just for fellowship and eating. So, so that idea of, of, of creating a new place, I know that in our Dominican life, um, you know, one of the main ways in which we try to shape uh, young men who are entering the order is through the novitiate, mm-hmm. you know, and so they're transported into uh, a new, a new location, a new community, which is stressful in a way, but it's very naturally helps you create new habits. Mm-hmm. You literally put on a habit, you know, so even mm-hmm. what you wear is different your whole life because your whole context changes. And so, well, it's never always easy, you know, to, to be in a novitiate that that change of environment really helps. I know a lot, a lot of other things do that. I know in the military, basic training, you know, you're put into a whole mm-hmm. new environment, you know, a new group of people, a new mm-hmm. set of expectations, but those expectations, you know, become associated with that context. New and, habits, as well as putting up of old habits. Mm-hmm, right. For instance, when right. I went in, you know, there were no rules about cell phones because we didn't have it. Nobody had cell phones. But I do we have rules about cell phones in the district currently? I don't think they're allowed to have them. Oh, there you go. Yeah. We didn't have them because they hadn't been invented yet. But, uh, <laughs> but now, uh, you know, but I imagine for a young person who's been put, used this for everything, uh, mm-hmm. putting off the use of a cell phone might itself engender some stresses and so mm-hmm. forth. But virtue is always put together by repeated acts of the, of the virtue. Right. Assisted by grace as Assisted. necessary. Right, right. So that, that idea of having a new environment makes it easier to start a new habit because we associate the environment with the habit. Um, there's a spiritual component to that too. Um, it's in, in the order, you know, our, our brothers, even though it's not, you know, our brothers, um, it's not the same as a physical place, but being with our brothers tends to, for, for Dominicans, reinforce that sense of community, of, of who we are as, as a member of a community. Um, so for, for people that are not in a religious order, you still need that, that community. You need people who will help you, who will, who will support you. So in a way, you can kind of, maybe not creating a physical environment, but creating a communal environment of people that, that help you. Mm-hmm. You know, people, I know in uh, 12-step programs, you generally have a sponsor, you know, right. you have a community of people that you go to for meetings, but you also have a sponsor, mm-hmm. you know, people that are trying to change something, you know, trying to overcome, for example, a pornography right. addiction, they might get an accountability partner, right. someone that that becomes part of this, 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 this reality so that it helps them a create a new confessor. direction, a regular, a regular confessor, confessor yeah. from a spiritual, spiritual perspective, or something like yes. that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so there are ways in which in our, in our Christian tradition, in our Catholic tradition, we have ways of, of allowing the environment to, to, to reinforce the good. Yeah, but I also look at the whole problem of Christian culture as reinforcing this. Now, mm-hmm. as I, this is one of my hobby horses, so I apologize. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you looked at a lot of the ethnic Christianities that our families began with when they came to this country mm-hmm. or, the, or the countries that they came from, you see a, a rich Catholic tradition, you know, Corpus Christi processions where the the, everybody lines up to watch the clergy process with the Blessed Sacrament. You know, the thousand ways to build Christmas, you know, from food to shopping in the Christmas markets that you see and set up for, say, now the holidays in Europe and so forth. Uh, the, um, the, the patterns of socializing, you know, whether we're talking about making the seven churches, 
you know, mm-hmm. seven churches devotion in Lent, or we're talking about uh, a pilgrimage, which forms its own little group. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your own little community, all sharing unique experiences, yeah. putting on new habits. You know, and it takes you to a completely different environment than you're used to. You're right. It puts you. So it's a different country. It, it brings you to the uh, to I think to. Um, you you come close to the numinous when you're off your regular game. Mm-hmm. You become malleable in the hands of God more. So I think this is part of the logic of the pilgrimage. The life in the church is supposed to be a pilgrimage itself. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but I'm thinking, you know, if we have as pilgrim people these customs that reinforce us, mm-hmm. you know, that also helps to the celebration. It helps the shape of belief. If we don't have them, my concern is, will be shaped by the other culture that's out right, there. Right, That's cold right. and dark and lifeless. And it's all about the pursuit of power and privilege and pleasure and, mm-hmm. you know, a thousand un- other unhealthy things. Yeah. Yeah, so to create that culture within your family, within among your friends, within your parish, within your parish community, um, you know, so so how we can create those, those environments mm-hmm. for virtue and for culture. Um, so, like, just some... Some practical ideas of this, like how we can use the environment to create a good habit, for example. I know some people, um, I mean, we're blessed enough to have our own chapel. Mm-hmm. Like in a, in a in our priory, you know, the chapel is set up so it's only really able to be used for one thing, and that's praying. Right. We're celebrating a mass, you know. There's no coffee maker in there. You right, know? exactly. There's no pretzels in there. It's not a multi-purpose you know? room. It's not a multi-purpose room. It's just a chapel, you know. So, so when you go there... You just naturally start pray. to pray, right? They're, yeah. So, so, uh, and for your average person, they don't probably have a chapel in their house, but some people create a little prayer space mm-hmm. in their house. An old Russian, a, an old Russian and Eastern European thing is to take a corner of the house. Sometimes it was a one-room cabin mm-hmm. in the poor days, but one corner of it that you turn to, and that's covered with icons and images of our uh, of Christ and our saints. If there was a cross, mm-hmm. it would be there. Yeah. And that becomes a place where no matter what you're doing, you can turn to, focus, and pray. Right, and just to keep that space just for prayer. Mm-hmm. When you go there, it's just for praying. You right. know, you put your prayer book there, you put your rosary there, mm-hmm. you know, you don't put your laundry on there, you know, so right. that it's always just, just for prayer. So that's the one way, little way of doing that. Or, um, you know, for, you know, just, and just like, and, and also I, I've, in the book I'm reading, uh, it says if you if you connect things, it's called habit stacking. You know, mm-hmm. after I do this, then I do this. Like in our Dominican tradition, mm-hmm. you know, you always pray before you eat. You know, you sing okay. for your supper. Yeah. You know, you literally chant the psalms, and then you get food. Right. You know, so yeah. so we get this this habit. Well, before I eat, mm-hmm. I need to pray. You know, we just get used to it, it becomes part of your life, and right. that makes sure you incorporate prayer. But you know, people do that in a, in an ordinary secular sense. They might like put their jogging shoes or their workout clothes, mm-hmm. you know, next to their bed in the morning before they go, at night before they get up. And so right. they get up, oh yeah, there it is, okay. Well, after I get up, you know, I put on, you know, I, I, I do this. Mm-hmm. Or after, or if I'm, you know, for people that are working in the world, you know, after, uh, you know, as soon as I get out of the office for lunch, I go over to this bench and say a decade of the rosary. Mm-hmm. Or, right. or whatever, you know, so just, just those... Those sequences that we create in our life, mm-hmm. you know, after we do this, we do this, to make I, that work for you. I, you know, with so many people working at desks these days, I 
sometimes I'm told, well, Father, it's too hard to pray. You know, in the days, you know, in your work, when you took, when we chose manual labor, mm-hmm. it was much easier to pray because the hands were occupied, but the mind could be walking with Jesus on the shores of, you know, the Sea of Galilee. Mm-hmm. But with when you're like at a desk with your face in a screen, it's much harder. Yeah. So you have to actually, I think, work harder to make time. So mm-hmm. some things that might work in one of these other cultures that are traditional to us might not work in the present one. Right. I, one, one thing I've, I found I can do, and because uh, you frequently hear people say, I have, I'm too busy to pray. I mean, I've got all these things to do. And so I say, um, do, you have a, do you use a, a day planner? And, oh, yeah, I use a day planner. You have your personal and your professional life in it? Yes, yeah. So why don't you book a 2 o'clock with Jesus if you want to pray? Yeah, right. <clears throat> and just book it. Now make that kind of a new, it's a new habit, you know, mm-hmm. and we don't find, I don't think the fathers of the desert needed to do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe uh, Francis de Sales did, you know, busy bishop. Right. But uh, I think it's not too far for us. But that could become also the new habit. Yeah, and that's that was in the book I'm reading as well, that if you, if you, if you just say, for example, I need to exercise more, right. you know, it's not going to get you very far. But if you say... I will exercise mm-hmm. at 7 a.m. Right. every Tuesday, you know, then you're more likely to do it because right. you're setting a date and a time yeah. and a place to do it, you know, and, and especially if you write it down, right. you know, like, so yeah, there's something about writing something down, making a appointment. If you put it in your planner right. and if someone says, oh, can you meet it? Oh, no, I've got another appointment. I'm already booked. I'm already, right. booked. I'm already committed. Yeah. Sorry. You know, people will understand. They won't, they won't second guess that. Right. But you have that. And it's not that you couldn't. Pray at three o'clock, just as well as you could at two. But right. but you've made that decision, and yeah. you've set aside that time. There's also the whole idea about an orderly life, which um, I think sometimes, especially us, you know, a lot, and a lot of Christians, I think, you know, we we start to think, well, we should really, if there's a need to serve someone, you know, even if it's part of our business, we should serve them, and then prayer gets put on the back burner. Mm. I think we at least. I mean, different people are called to different shapes of vocation, but at least uh, I think you need to really take seriously a time for prayer. Hmm. Mark it out, or it's not going to get done. You're going right. to find a thousand. Adele's going to find a thousand nice things for you to do to people, right? You know, and you you won't be addressing the the three persons who should be most exactly. important in your life. Yeah, I mean, that's one reason I really felt drawn to the religious life is because I knew that. I really would have probably need. I need that structure. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's it's like you know, a lifelong I, I spa that, existence. No, no, a lifelong what? Lifelong <laughs> no, spa. Existence. No, no, no. no. Kidding. Not that, but but just the fact that you know, like, well, if I don't show up at eight o'clock, I know my brothers are going to miss me. That's right. They'll notice that I'm not there. You know. That's right. So so that creates another little push or nudge to to yeah. to get into the chapel to pray. Right. You know that. And and when you are there with your brothers, you know you know you're not just you're only, you're praying, but you're praying together. Right. Yeah. You know it re it reinforces that yeah. that uh, really building virtue into a shape of life, a concrete mm-hmm. shape of life. Right. A culture. Yeah. A culture. You have those yeah. patterns, those customs, which we can then hand down. Right. Right. So. So those are some ways in which we could we can change the environment to to create a good habit. And then try to change the environment to to remove a bad habit, um, to 
to uh, I, I there, another story in the book was about a woman who had she would when she would had been younger she went horseback riding would often smoke she'd light up a cigarette mm-hmm. when she got on a horse and and how um, after a while she stopped smoking and stopped riding horses but years later. A friend invited her to go horseback riding, so she got on horse, and she immediately had that craving come back right, yes, <laughs> for a cigarette. Yeah, right. It was still there. It was latent, yeah, right. but it was still there. You know, and I think that that can work in a bad way. You know, people who have been trying not to drink, and then you know, someone takes them to a place where they used to drink a lot. Right, it makes yeah. it suddenly it's harder for yeah, them that's again. Right. Exactly. You know, but that can work good in a good way too. I think in the. Uh, you know, the, the wonderful Catholic customs that we have in our lives, mm-hmm. you know, those can sort of jog old memories for people, That's right. you know, things Plump that might have been latent Christmas. for years. You right. know, someone brings them to a church yeah. at Christmas or, or Easter, um, you know, it might awaken, yeah, it might awaken the, the dead. Yes. You know, I always hope as a priest, you know, that even things when people come to a funeral who haven't darkened the door of a church in years or come to a wedding, I try to use that as an opportunity to in, to invite them, to make them think about right. that. Mm-hmm. You know, good. To so that they can they can use that those little customs as environment to to restore that habit that God made us to enjoy. Thank you for joining us today for the Dominican Dimensions. My name is Father Stephen Dominic Hayes, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. And I've been joined in the studio today by Father Stephen Alcott. Let's end now in prayer and address uh, the founder of the Dominican Order. Uh, St. Dominic de Guzman. O light of the Church, teacher of truth, rose of patience, ivory of chastity, freely you have poured forth the waters of wisdom, preacher of grace, unite us with the blessed. Amen. Amen. Dominican Dimensions is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Dominican Dimensions and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com. Sancti Spiritus Veni Maria O God who by the light of the Holy Spirit Did instruct the hearts of your I worked in pro baseball for a long time, and we play on Sundays. And it was an easy excuse. Uh, I took the easy out and just didn't go to Mass. Uh, When I was in college, I ended up having a lot of questions about my faith, and I ended up leaving the church. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time. Gradually quit going. Went through a divorce and um, ended up being a single parent. If I didn't have church or God, I, I, I would be back at that lonely stage, that trouble stage. Whenever you get anxious and worry about things, you just know that Jesus has it under control. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. And it's a place where I feel accepted for who I am. When you come home to the the church, you're coming home to a Catholic family where people today just embrace you. I have a peace when I walk through the doors of the Catholic Church, like that's where I belong. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today.